Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hey, fuckers. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the Anti-Slut Shaming Podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. What's up? How you doing? Checking those volumes. You know, had you a little low. <laughs> my bad. Uh, speaking of my bads, you know, everyone needs therapy. But sometimes in this day and age where everything just comes to your door whenever you want it, you're like, do I really got to leave my house? No, not anymore with Talkspace. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, which is an online therapy company. They make it easy to connect with a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can text, audio, and video message your therapist and talk about your life, what's keeping you up at night, or even your annoying coworker. To sign up or learn more, go to Talkspace.com slash GWF. And to show your support for this podcast, use code GWF to get $30 off your first month. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Mm, come see us live on Friday, January 27th at 11.15 p.m. Nacho Bitches happens at New York Comedy Club. Tickets are $10 with code Nacho, co-hosted by myself and Blair Saki. Uh, and then that coming weekend, the long weekend, I will also be in Boston for an assortment of fun bar shows that I'll post about on Instagram. Yay. And if you're in New York City on Friday, February 17th at 7.30 is the uh, Christina Hutchinson birthday celebration of Glamopus at Zinc Bar. Hosted by myself and Wendy Starling, featuring Ryan Reese, mm. Jimmy Fela, Ooh. Jessica Kearson, ah. and Corinne Fisher. That's me. Wee. You should come. Oh my gosh. And if you're not in New York, number one, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but you can come see us other places. Los Angeles on Saturday, uh, January 21st at 5 p.m. We'll be at the alleyway as part of Riot Fest. Yeah, it's 5 p.m. Whatever. You're come LA. Out come out early. You're in a good mood all the time. Yeah, fuck you. And San Diego, Sunday. This coming Sunday, the 22nd at the American Comedy Company. Boston on Thursday, April 13th. We will be playing the fucking Wilbur. Damn. And that's almost sold out. So if you want to see the experience, you better get those tickets. And my mom's coming. Uh, Chicopee, Massachusetts, Friday, April 14th. We're going to be at the Hookilau. Washington, D.C., Saturday, April 15th at the legendary 930 Club. Austin, Texas, April 20th to the 22nd. We're going to be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival. And Houston, Texas on Sunday, April 23rd, we're going to be at Warehouse Live. Uh. <laughs> Guys, uh, this episode of Guys We Fucked is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. <gasps> Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada only. Fuckers, you get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash GWF and using the code GWF. Terms and conditions apply. And we fucking both have Casper mattresses. We do. And they are dope. 
I love my Casper mattress, but have you ever wondered that, what if I had a mattress for my titties mm-hmm. and I could just, my titties could lay in this wonderful thing and be as comfortable as my body in a mattress. Me too. You're not alone. Thanks, third love. Did you know that women change bra sizes an average of six times in their lives? I didn't know that. Is that true? I mean, um, it has to be. It's written here. I guess so. Maybe it's Six a lot of times. people. Most people are probably gaining and losing weight. Yeah, though. I'm now. I was double D. Now I'm a D. Holla at you, girl. Life is easier. That's why finding the perfect fitting bra can make all the difference. Thankfully, third love bras were developed using thousands of real women's measurements and range from sizes AA to G, including signature half cup sizes. So no matter what your body shape you are sure to find the fit that's right for you. And with Third Love's Fit Finder, it only takes you 30 seconds to determine the best size and style for your body. And you gotta have some reluctant person touching your titties who doesn't wanna be there and just wants to leave the mall parking lot, but they they just, they're stuck there and they're touching your titties and you're like, I don't like this and you don't like this, fuck this. Go to thirdlove.com. Third Love stands behind their products so much that they're willing to let guys be fucked listeners with titties or without titties, try them for free. Uh, the 24-7 collection, you just pay $2.99, for shipping. You could take off the tags, wear it, wash it. That's pretty lenient. Mm-hmm. And really just live in it for 30 days to make sure it's your new favorite bra. Live your life in your favorite bra. And if you don't like it, it's not your favorite, then uh, then you don't have to keep it. If you love it, keep it great. But if you don't, just be like, I don't like it. And then your card won't be charged. It's that easy. Uh, so just go to thirdlove.com slash GWF and get started today. That's thirdlove.com slash GWF. Third love, titties. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to read some fucker So mail. this email kept me up at night. I can't sleep for a lot of reasons, but uh, last night it was because I read this email and was horrified. And it's a long one, but it was so beautifully written that I'm pretty sure I can get through it without stumbling. We'll see. Fingers crossed. The following text is my friend's experience, and I'm sending it to you in the hopes that you will shine some light on this. I can't continue to ha- it can't continue to happen. Damn it. I know the fuckers are relentless, even though it's a little long. If you could maybe talk about it briefly, that'd be great. My name is Ida, and uh, this happened to my friend Erica, and this is written by her. I'm going to read it in full. An open. Oh, wait, it does say the person's names. Is that OK? I mean, they, they sent it to yeah. us. So, OK. An open letter to Sheriff Jim Arnott of Greene County, Missouri. Dear Mr. Arnott, my name is Erica Russell, and I am a victim of the Greene County Jail. I say victim because what you are doing to people in there is well outside the scope of any anything anyone could call law enforcement. It's more like sadistic third world torture. Anyone could Google your history of corruption and quickly agree. Side note, I did is there. What happened to me in your jail has made me mentally handicapped. Your force carried out such egregious and unimaginably humiliating injustices against me that I am no longer the same in my head. And I am a writer, Mr. Arnott, so my head is fairly important to me. But it happened, sir. It's all on the cameras at the Green County Jail. My endless humiliation, my very darkest hour for doing, and I cannot stress this enough, nothing. I had gotten married to the man I love because I'm a dumbass fucking optimist, and I tried to hug him on our wedding night. And he told me I was a stupid fucking bitch and knocked me over in a long chair and hurt my hip badly in the process. And so I called you, Sheriff, because I thought you would help me. My family isn't an option, and through some impossible combination of audacity and unconscious hatred, you took me, Sheriff. You took me, with literally zero legal reason or justification. 
I would know, Sheriff, I'm a smart woman with a formal and fucking continuously expensive legal education. And if it could happen to me, then no one in your county is safe and they need to know that. As I am a writer by trade, I'm going to tell you my story in hopes that others will join me in getting you permanently ousted from your post. The corruption and incompetence which you have allowed to proliferate within your force and with such audacity poses a real danger to the people of Greene County and represents an unconscionable miscarriage of the American justice system. And now I want to simply tell my story and get it over with because I've been putting it off for two weeks. It's not something I want to do. I don't want to have to relive this in any way. I'd rather just move on with my life. But I feel like if I don't do my best to get you fired, I am guilty by association in other crimes you'll commit against other people. And that's not something I can personally live with. On Tuesday, November 30th, my fiance and I got married at the Green County Courthouse in matching Pegasus onesies from Walmart. We were on our way to a beautiful ranch in southwestern Colorado where we had just secured employment after many months of job searching. We were over the moon and excited. My new sister-in-law, Christine, and my soon-to-be brother-in-law, Jared, live in Springfield, so they helped us get the license and celebrated with us before we all went home to, to their house to go to bed. Unfortunately, the celebratory adult beverages had been excessive, and my new husband, to my horror, got angry at me for something, or nothing, I don't even remember, and decided to knock me over in the lawn chair I was sitting in, bruising my hip badly. I cried out in shock and pain, and my soon-to-be brother-in-law came outside to investigate the commotion. He grew very angry, saying that he and Christine had to work in the morning, and we needed to shut the fuck up and get the fuck out, or he would have the police come remove us. It should be noted here that my soon-to-be brother-in-law has a history of domestic abuse himself and was eager to blame me instead of my husband for what had happened. My husband would not calm down, and Jared called the police. I told them what had happened. They took a picture of the upturned lawn chair in the yard and decided at Jared's urging to arrest me and not my husband because, as Jared stated it, one of them's got to go, and it clearly wasn't going to be his future brother-in-law. When I realized I was actually going to get arrested for getting knocked over in a lawn chair and then sitting silently in a chair at the kitchen table as my husband continued his rampage, I went into the guest room and I laid down on the bed and I started to cry. Three officers came in and told me to get up. They were taking me to jail. I pleaded with them and said I hadn't done anything wrong and I couldn't just go to a hotel because I'd been drinking and didn't have any kind of money for that anyway. They didn't respond and grabbed my hands from my sides and cuffed them behind my back as I sobbed into the pillow, terrified, begging them to please just make it stop and let me go to sleep. But I was the one going to jail apparently and I was terrified. I'd never been to a jail as an inmate, only as law school fellow, uh, law school fellow for the Ohio Innocence Project, and more recently as a volunteer public speaking teacher for the Prison Education Project in Southern California. I didn't know what else to expect, and I didn't know anyone else in the city, so there was no one I could call for help. I'd been taken into custody by badge number 1472, I remember, and I was going to be punished for being punished on my wedding night. I had no one no one. And I wanted people who are people who are reading this to stop and close their eyes and imagine confronting that new knowledge that you have no one. You are completely at the mercy of people who are going to openly get off on your suffering. So they want you to. I begged them not to take me and scream that it was my new husband in quotes who had been abusive and hurt me early. My early arthritic bum fucking hip didn't matter. I sobbed and begged as these officers cuffed me violently and dragged me into the cop car as I tried to cooperate and walk. I pleaded with them not to hurt 
hurt me further, not to hurt my already fucked up arthritic wrists and joints as they grabbed me roughly under my arms and knees and forcibly hauled me out of the house like a child or animal. I could not believe this was happening to me. Unfortunately, my academic legal background had falsely assured me that this kind of barbarism simply does not occur in the modern United States. I'm here to tell you it does. As it did, and as it did, as I sobbed and struggled to stand on my feet and walk off, uh, the officer asked me why I couldn't act like a damn adult, even though I was clearly trying to amid my horrified fog. I was getting arrested for being victimized by my own husband on my own wedding night, largely because my soon-to-be brother-in-law's own guilty conscience wanted to so badly see the female victim pay for her own abuse in order to vi- uh, vindicate his own violent outburst towards my sister-in-law. Officer number 1472 put me in the cop car without reading me Miranda rights or informing me that I was being charged with and I wasn't because there was absolutely nothing to charge me with and they they didn't after my 10 hours in hell was over. Anyway, I asked badge number 1472 if he would cuff me in the front due to my arthritis in my hands and wrists. He said no. Behind, Behind the back was policy and closed the car door. We drove to the station where he held me in a room temporarily as he filled out some kind of paperwork and told me I was being placed on a five-hour administrative hold. I was then told to join two other women down in the female booking pit who were crying and obviously distressed. Sure, I said cheerfully. I bet I get voted Miss Congeniality. And I made a beeline down the stairs to the female booking pit, having decided that if there was some good to come out of this, it might be cheering up these two poor souls with a little bit of humor and emotional support. I sat down in a chair next to the two of them, Amanda and Carol, and cracked some kind of joke that I now forget, but which made them both laugh for at least a second. Amanda asked what I was in for, and I told her my husband had knocked me over in a lawn chair and I had gotten arrested for it. Amanda perked up immediately and told me she was in for fighting back against her own abusive husband, who had not been arrested either. She then turned turned her back to me, ashamed, and lifted up uh, the back of her long brown hair so that I could see the six-inch scar running up the back of her skull. This is what happened to me last time, she said. Carol said she was in for stealing a $15 watch. <laughs> Not right, maybe, but kind of laughable in a world where Wells Fargo is still in business. I hugged them and told them that they shouldn't let these people or anyone make them feel ashamed. I told them that this night would end, and when it did, they should let it go, move on with their lives, and not let it affect how they felt about themselves in the morning. I told them that, that at least we had each other's company to get it, to get through it, and we should try and get some rest. I got up to get another chair to put, my, uh, to put underneath my feet so I could kick them up as I slept. And when I did, an angry male officer barked at me from the desk to sit down. I don't recall his name, but he was old and vaguely pig-like. I told him I was just getting another chair so I could kick up my feet, to which he replied, this is jail, honey. You do what I tell you to do, and I'm telling you to sit down. I then told him I wasn't doing anything wrong, and I wasn't aware of any law requiring prisoners to remain seated while in custody. He said, okay, and came down to the booking pit with a pair of handcuffs, spinning me around and once again handcuffing me behind my back. I asked what he was doing. He didn't respond and simply led me back to a small concrete cell with nowhere to sleep and a toilet. He told me this was where my mouth had gotten me and slammed the door of the cell. I tried to stay calm and spent the first few hours looking out my cell window to stay occupied and keep me from losing it. I kept quiet and tried to make eye contact with the individual officers at the desk, all of whom would catch my eye and inevitably look away shamefully. One of the female officers, a hardened old brunette with a smoker's face and the worst blue eyeliner I have witnessed to date, caught my eye several times and seemed increasingly perturbed. As there was no clock in my cell to see how much time I had passed, my, quote, administrative hold, 
I tried the intercom in my cell to ask the desk what time it was, much less what it was I was actually being charged with. I tried the intercom again and again, but no one responded. I started banging on the window of my cell to get their attention. The hardened old brunette stormed off from the desk and back to my cell, obviously vexed. I asked her what time it was and demanded to know what exactly I was being charged with. She laughed at me and echoed Officer Pigman's sentiment that I was in jail and didn't have the right to demand anything. She stared at me cold with cold green eyes, smiling. I told her I knew the law and would have her badge if she didn't tell me what I was being charged with immediately. She just laughed again and said, bitch, you're not the first one to try and take my badge. To which I uh, looked her, her dead in the eye and replied, maybe not, but I'm the one who's going to succeed. I looked down at her badge to learn her name and remember it. Sergeant Stewart. Her name was Sergeant Stewart. And she stared at me with a truly bone chilling smile for a silently long time, long time before storming back off down the hall. Moments later, she returned with five male officer, officers. They opened the door and stretched out, stretched on a latex glove before instructing me to turn around and pull my pants down, presumably because she was going to check my personal orifices in front of everyone. I cried and told her I didn't want to. At that, the six officers entered my cell without a word and wrestled me to the ground as sheer panic gripped my being. One of the largest male officers shoved me to the ground and started crushing the back of my neck with his forearm as I screamed, sending agonizing waves of pain down my back while the others held my legs down and jerked my bruised arms behind my back to cuff me again. I cried. I begged them to stop. I told them I hadn't done anything wrong and I asked why they were doing this to me or what they had arrested me for. I received no answer to any of these questions as the six officers roughed me up and hauled me out of the cell like some kind of wounded animal, kicking and screaming and confused, utterly without hope. They dragged into a new, me into a newer and even more Spartan cell, just a concrete cube with a single drain in the center and no bed, no toilet, no privacy, just a concrete block to piss and puke in. As I sobbed, they forced me into the corner of the cell where a large male officer once again crushed the back of my neck while the others drew my handcuffed arms upward behind me into an excruciating torture. As I screamed and cried and told them I was sorry, I was so sorry, it hurts, please stop. Then the real horror began. The officers held me down in the corner of my cell and unzipped my jacket, even though I told them I had nothing underneath it. I screamed desperately for them to stop, to please not expose me. I didn't want them to see me in just my bra. Please, please don't do this to me. But they did anyway, as I fought to catch my breath between desperate sobs. The ripped, they ripped off my jacket, off me as five male officers stared at my breasts and bare stomach, laughing. Then they grabbed my arching arm, aching arms again and forced them through a black and white striped jail-issued short-sleeved t-shirt. Finally, they left me alone, trying to catch my breath as I lay in the fetal position in the freezing concrete floor of my cell. I could hear the officers outside laughing at me as they made their way back to their desk. I was so scared that I honestly did almost pee my pants when it was happening. And now I really had to. So I hit the intercom button. I said I needed to go to the bathroom, but I didn't want to pee into the drain of my cell where all the surrounding male inmates would freely observe me through the glass. I asked again and again, and there was no response. Finally, I couldn't stand it anymore, so I pulled down my pants and pissed in the drain like an animal, sobbing and flushed with embarrassment while the officers at their desk and a dozen or so male inmates witnessed my de debasement and with vocal enthusiasm and laughter. Finally, after 20 minutes of begging to be taken to the bathroom, the urgency uh, become, became too much and I simply had to do it. I pulled down my pants and peed into the drain in the middle of my cell. Sergeant Stewart laughed as she saw me do it and then returned to my cell with three other male officers. 
I told them I was sorry and begged them for toilet paper so I could wipe the urine off my legs before I put my pants back on. And then the unthinkable happened. They took away my pants. And again, I was not wearing anything underneath them because all my clothes had been packed up in the car for the move to Colorado. So I had changed out of my uncomfortable dress and into my husband's jeans and jacket by the time the police arrived at my house. So when Sergeant Stewart, Sergeant Stewart came in and took even my pants from me, claiming I would, quote, use them to hurt myself if she didn't take them from me, I was completely exposed for all to see my bare ass and pussy on display for over four hours as I sobbed on the freezing concrete floor of, of my cell while male inmates and officers alike freely stared and made fun of my exposed body and my pathetic state. They laughed and yelled awful things at me as I sobbed and pleaded for help. They told me they were going to fuck my face if I didn't stop bawling. They told me my ass was fat and ugly. They told me I should trim my fucking bush and laughed. Five hours. Five hours I was on display in an all-glass cell for everyone to humiliate. I puked and I shit and I sobbed. They laughed at me. I could not believe that all of these people were tactically agreeing that this was fine to do to me, apparently. I'd never before beheld people, complete strangers who openly laughed and at and relished in my pain. And that changes you. It changes you. It changes your head, your heart, and how you view the world. It changes everything. I banged on the door of my cell and asked the officers on duty if they had wives, daughters, or mothers, and how they would feel if somebody did this to them. I asked what I was being arrested for and when I could be let go. To the latter question, one particularly sadistic young officer, his name was M. Painter, according to his shirt, smiled viciously and happily at my horrified countenance and answered my initial question by mouthing the word never. Never, never. I would never get out of here, according to the sociopath just out of community college new recruit running this place. And that's when I started to think I actually was in hell, which makes sense because nothing else did. Because this doesn't happen in real life. It just doesn't. Nice white girls think they're safe. And I'm so sorry, ladies, but you're not safe anymore. This administration hates women and you will experience the sentiment in ways you thought were unimaginable. You will. And I'm so, so sorry. I am your sister, no matter who you are, but you must defend yourself and make a plan because this shit is unprecedented in the American legal system. And I graduated in the top 10 of my Ohio State class. My parents got involved, uh, invited to a dinner to shake Bill fucking Clinton's hand because I worked so fucking hard and they can all go fuck themselves royally if they cannot support me now. I do not need their money. I'll create an opportunity out of a goddamn dumpster and Craigslist if I need it. I am Erica Vandemark Russell, and I am meant to lead people to joy in whatever capacity they need. And they rendered me naked, wailing like a wailing animal in that prison. And they'll do it to you, too, nice white girl reading this. I'm not admonishing you. I'm identifying. I was you. I was calm and collected and erudite. I sat calmly in a chair and cooperated, and they and they did it to me anyway for hours. And I am not... The same, but I still love people and believe the best about life. And for it's worth noting, perhaps, that I was taught in law school that an innocent person just doesn't get arrested without explanation or human rights. Like, you don't just rip an innocent person from their bed and traumatize them for life just for jolly good sport. But that's what's happened. And I learned the truth about America. Because I was not taught in law school that there was any plausible scenario in which a completely innocent woman would have her dignity forever stripped by the abuse of the state with no report or care. This doesn't happen. No, this is the kind of thing that just doesn't happen to intellectually decorated, agreeable white women, right? Of course not. That'd be horrific. What what would we do? Nice people who have committed no crimes in their past or now don't get arrested and abused in a small town jail in America. It doesn't happen, right? 
They don't get roughed up by six different police officers, have their jacket forcibly ripped off and their breasts exposed for all to see, only to then be deprived of her own pants left sobbing and shivering, shivering in the concrete floor of a glass front cell, naked from the waist down, begging for mercy, reduced to a subhuman state while dozens of laughing officers and male inmates get off to her humiliation and exposed body parts. It just doesn't happen, certainly not in America or a well-educated, innocent woman with no criminal record. So I started to believe Officer M. Painter. I was never going to get out of here because this was hell and I had just somehow earned my place there. And just like Officer M. Painter had said, I was never going to get out. I was never going to see my family or friends again. I was unloved and without hope and they could do anything they wanted to me and would. I banged on the door of my cell and screamed that I was sorry for whatever it was I had done and I pleaded with them to give back my pants and I shivered uh, on the painfully cold concrete floor of my cell. At one point, Officer M. Painter led three male inmates past my cell and had them look at my bare ass before laughing. Not bad, right? You guys want me to unlock the door or what? I thought I was going to be raped because if they could do this to me, if they could do this to me, why would they stop there? I'm genuine. I genuinely thought I was about to get gang raped, but apparently striking yet more fear into my heart was enough for officer and painter because he chuckled and told the boys to move on. Finally, after four hours of desperate screaming, I lost my voice entirely and I just cried silently. I was given no food, water or restroom privileges uh, throughout the 10 hours of my detainment, which was supposed to have been five. I threw up violently into the drain in the middle of the floor multiple times. The only time anyone came into my cell was when one annoyed male officer threw a straight jacket at me and said, here, put this on as the rest of them laughed from the desk. I wrapped it around my waist and ways to try and hide my nakedness and try to get warm enough to fall asleep, but I couldn't. Finally, seven hours after my nightmare began, a redheaded female officer came to the door of my cell after asking the rest of the officers on duty why I hadn't been released yet. She told me I could come out and wait to be discharged. My heart filled with relief after genuinely believing I'd been taken to hell and would never be released. She looked down at the straight jacket I was using to cover myself and asked me why I wasn't wearing sweatpants. I had told her Sergeant Stewart had taken them from me and left me naked. And she said she didn't know anything about that, but that Sergeant Stewart had finished her shift already. So she couldn't respond. It was another hour that I waited in my cell before the redheaded officer came back and actually let me out, out of it. I could hardly walk by that point and I couldn't look uh, anyone in the eye. I sat down in the chair, rocking myself and waited another hour to actually get fingerprint and let go. Finally, some 25 year old motherfucking frat boy named M painter, according to his shirt, processed my release eerily cheerful and acting like he hadn't just done and said the things that he had clearly had. And like neither of uh, uh, one of us was going to acknowledge it, which I didn't obviously because I didn't want to get put back in that cell. I simply nodded and hoped that this hell would end as quickly as possible and I would wait another hour to be released unjustly extended by five hour administrative hold to 10 hours because I guess it was more fun for everyone else. Someone out the jail door into the main lobby, a different woman, a different person, and I will never be the same person because of what happened to me in your jail, Sheriff Arnott. I vow to take your badge, Sheriff's uh, badge, Sheriff Stewart's and whoever the fuck Officer M. Painter is. And I mean to follow through. Better lawyer up. You fat fuck. I am coming for you. Uh, I mean, this is obviously fucking a terrible email, but unfortunately, I think this is something that's happening a lot to a lot of people. And uh, it's, you know, we talk a lot about uh, like white women and and, and black women and, you know, everyone in between. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens because like, you know, this is happening to black women every every day. So I'm curious to see if, if, uh, 
if a white woman's plea is, I know. is, is heard a little bit louder. I mean, which is, uh, it, that's uh, obviously terrible. And that would just be like more racism that we're, uh, you know, that we know existed uh, yeah, uh, coming to fruition, but whatever it takes, Jesus Christ. I mean, I read this email last night at 1am and I was spent the rest of the night Googling her name, the sheriff's name, the County jail, everything. And there was, there was their Facebook pages or these compliments. And then sprinkled in between is they arrested my friend for nothing. And, and then, Oh, I, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is, and this is, this is, this is what happened during the course of 10 hours. Yeah. So I can only imagine what's happening to people. I mean, we all like the show Orange is the New Black, but I mean, the character of Piper, that's a real person who went through a, a bunch of shit in jail. So it's like, this is happening. I mean, that's why there are organizations that just collect, uh, tampons and sanitary napkins for women in prison because so often they are not even given that and they're just like bleeding in their clothes which is so such a humiliating i mean i mean there's so much our justice system is corrupt i learned i've we've learned that so many times and, well, and so many prisons are underfunded things. too so it's like okay so it's like we want to send all these american we love sending people to prison that's like our favorite thing let's send everyone to prison everyone who steals a 15 dollars watch to people who are doing crime we love sending people to prison but then we don't want to pay the taxes to fund the prison so then people are just getting treated inhumanely like you know obviously we were talking before we we turned on the recorder like the the way to teach teach uh, someone who's abusive or who has raped someone or who has murdered someone not to treat humans like that is not to then treat them uh, just as poorly as they treated their victims. Yeah. So. And uh, if anybody is listening to this, who is a reporter, it's happened before. Um, I don't know. This is so, it's so fucked up. It's not, I've never, I know it happens. I knew people get abused in jail. Uh, the Stanford prison experiment is a fascinating documentary to that shows, uh, with students, half the students were randomly chosen to be guards. Half the students were randomly chosen to be prisoners. And within a couple of days, the experiment almost had to be called off, but it, uh, it didn't, which w- it should have been because the people who were assigned to be guards took advantage of their power. There's their college students. It was a college experiment to 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 show what power how power can corrupt people sure. and in 2 days yeah. you saw people making others crawl on the floor and lick their shoe and stuff them in a closet mm-hmm. but there it was to their fellow students who they were previously friends with Right. I mean, there, that blew my mind. Yeah, that, that's why, I mean, I, there's very little fellowship. And I often wonder, like, if, you know, something truly horrific happened amongst my peers. Yeah. Uh, what would I, what, who would actually stand up for me? Sorry, I guys. Would. This is my food delivery. <laughs> I will stand up for you, Corinne. But if you're, if you're, I mean, this fucking, God damn it. It, it, this first this woman is a beautiful writer i love a lot of people write us and they're just like they they just speak so eloquently about their experience and i've never read something so eloquent about such a horrifying thing i'm not capable of For expressing sure. myself like that but, and then all. what's upsetting is okay so this is it's almost not that it's this is happening anyway so it's it, om- yeah. so it's almost better that it happened but it's like think about all the people who aren't eloquent I writers know. who can't write at all i know who can't read and that's a lot of people in prison yeah so it's so it's just like wow it's almost like well you know it's like sometimes when something really heinous happens it's like well you know what thank god it did happen 
to you, white woman who can write, because unfortunately, maybe this is what we fucking needed to make people pay attention. And that's a whole nother conversation. It's a conversation about heinous racism in the prison system. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 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 mm. yeah. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big. Uh, But we keep them bottled up, and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters and you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... I found Quince, and now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids – Their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather hand-woven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, Guys, Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. Honestly, like I, I forwarded the email to Corinne last night and I was like, I know we just talked last week about trigger warnings and we shouldn't, but uh, just heads up, this email's rough. It, it, it ooh, oh man, let's do something about it's this. Rough, I don't know but what more than being rough. It's, it's like, important. I would never want a trigger warning on this because I want everyone to hear this. This is yeah. conversations that need to be having had. Uh, and if you were having a similar experience in prison, um, I don't know what, what our prison listenership is like. <laughs> um, but yeah, fucking right in. It's like, this is not, it's like, there's so many bad things happening, um, in the world simultaneously that sometimes it's hard for me to remember all the bad things that are happening. Absolutely. So it's great. I, pr- I sincerely, Sincerely appreciate uh, the reminder. And, you know, we don't like to be the constant bearers of bad news, but I think it's things like this that make people be like, wow, maybe I should fucking do something and stop yeah. uh, just tweeting nonsense at, you know, Donald Trump. Absolutely. Because uh, <clears throat> this email enraged me so much. I, I'm hoping it does the same to people that are listening to this. This is fucking atrocious. And please, 
I, I emailed the the friend back who sent it to me and I asked if it was okay if I we connected with people who want to be connected with. Um, she hasn't written me back yet. I just emailed her. So, but if if you're interested in reaching out and, and talking or, or just just take what we fucking said. I mean, that's a story. But uh, yeah, I think whatever is like for a lot of you know a lot of you are, are writers and journalists and have connections to places. And so. this is where we actually do some. This is where something can be done. Yeah, which is really exciting. Which is not anything I ever. Yeah, because it's cool to feel empathy and it's cool to be listening to the podcast and sit in your car and be like, oh, man, that story is terrible. I can't believe that's happening. But it's like then to go. The key is to go that extra step to contact the journalist that, you know, contact your person, uh, your friend or family member who works in the prison system, like actually take steps to make change. And that and that change is often like really small. Start on a small level and then it will work its way up like a trickle up effect. Um, And I, I mean, I think that, you know the listeners we've we've done some stuff together yeah i think that uh we wanted to air it out and then take it and take it to the next step and make sure people hear this because holy yeah this is happening to it's not just happening to women i mean obviously with you know being nude and stuff that's and and kind of i'm sure that that way humiliation sure and and, you know obviously like there's different uh like a caste system that's going on in the prison and people are people's bitches like it's not good so Mm -hmm. anyone who's like oh just go to prison prison's cushy it's not the death penalty a lot of cases i think the death penalty might be the cushy end to your life even though i am still against that and that whole statistic of uh, America has the largest jail population of a developed nation out of how many because we don't believe in re-fucking habilitation we're just like oh what you like you fucking kids go to jail you rob someone go to jail you try to murder someone go to jail you didn't do anything at all you probably should still go to jail jail, I feel like it you smoked a blunt go to jail 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 is not a solution jail is a holding space where nothing happens Um, and we're stripping people of their humanity and it's fucked up so uh, yeah so yeah if you're mad if you're angry if you're sad those are all good feelings Uh, use them to make change. So we're going to change the tone we're a little gonna bit. We're going to change the tone up a um, lot. <laughs> it's good to go, you know, a little a little light, a little heavy. Uh, so this week's guest is a, she's a, a comic presence on the internet. Uh, she does some writing. She does some DJing. You ever, might know ever. her from the Lady Lovin' podcast. Uh, please give it up for our friend, Jilly Hendrix. We know who we're talking yeah. about. She's always like, I'm tired today. We're like, okay. <laughs> Guys, we're here with Jilly Hendrix. Oh, and God. we were just talking about, you were telling us what kind of dick you want to have if you had a dick. Oh, yeah. What, it, what kind was it? It would be like um, a little bit smaller, but then it would like grow. Quite, You're a grower, not a yeah. shower. That's and nice. then it would surprise you. 
That's beautiful. Do you feel like that's representative of your personality? Yeah, I feel like I'm a little shy at first, but it's like you never know what's coming around the corner, you know? <laughs> yeah, because when we first met you to do your podcast, you're like, yeah, I just got a part of a movie. It's at the pack. So I'm going to go. I'm like, I'm like, when do you have to go? Like, I have to be at the airport in like an hour. I'm like, you got to go. Yeah. You were very laid back about that. You know, I don't get stressed out. I love it. it what? what uh, unless like it's death. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I that's good. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Have you always been that way? I think so. I don't know, really. I guess probably, probably from as far that. as I can remember. Your sense of chill. My mom is like very anxious uh, a lot. So maybe you like complimented yeah. her by just purposely being non-anxious. And then that was just developed in yeah, your personality. Yeah, she's like very stressed out about like small things. So I'm just like, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be good. And then I was blessed with this monotone voice. So I feel like it. <laughs> I love it though. It, it goes. Makes, it makes your comedic timing so fucking funny because you'd like you. deliver you could deliver the harshest thing in like the chillest tone yeah and i love that thanks um what do you think about fucking about sex, sex in yeah. general yeah what's your do you uh, like a philosophy a philosophy um i don't know really i think it's like you know do whatever you're comfortable with i guess sex to me is like to get to that place where you really enjoy it, I feel like it's all about comfort levels. So yeah. like if you're uncomfortable with the person or with the situation, you're never going to be able to fully enjoy it. So the way yeah, it should you be enjoyed if you're too busy being uncomfortable. Exactly. So I don't know a lot of people relate comfort to sex, but you yeah. know, that's, I do. that's kind of how I, I feel about mean. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they think that you're like in sweatpants eating cookies. No, but <laughs> always in lingerie. <laughs> There's, there's different types of comfort. Yeah. Uh, how did you learn about sex? Did your mom up? give you an anxious talk? No, I think I remember like in health class in sixth grade, they like brought in a video or they like rolled in the like TV on oh, the yeah. rollers. You yes. know what I mean? Yes, yes. Did you know they, was it the birth video? No, it was just like all about your parts. And they oh. like split the women up. they didn't want to tell you. So they just made yeah, you watch Yeah, they didn't want to tell you like what you what your body came with. You yeah. know what I mean? So they were like, oh, in case you didn't know. This is all like, included. This is your vagina and these are your boobs. And you're like, oh, okay. Were you like, oh, shit. Yeah. So we had that. And it was like separated into girls and boys. And then I think they probably mentioned sex, but I don't know. Like I don't <laughs> have like an exact moment mm-hmm. where like I was like, oh, sex. You know? When did you first have sex? I was 18. With a boyfriend or a this guy, guy on that the fly. I that I really liked in high school for four years. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You finally got to bang. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. That's some foreplay. How'd you make that happen? Well, it was um outside of a party. Outside of a party? <laughs> so you fucked on a lawn. It was a hill. It was not um <laughs> Oh, I mean that's pretty perfect. A hill. Yeah, it wasn't I'm a like jail a on the hill. It wasn't a beautiful moment per se. <laughs> Why not? Why wasn't it beautiful? You know, it's on a hill outside of a party. It was more like was the grass damp. It was for me. It was more like get it over with. Yeah, so I many people feel that way. Yeah, which I, I mean, obviously, like I don't regret that, but I, I wish that I had more of when I say the comfort thing. I wish I was more comfortable with myself to be like, why don't you wait until you are ready or until you have like someone that you want to do this with, rather than just like you know you're 18. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I'm legal now. Did you <laughs> masturbate before that? Yes. Like frequently or just sometimes? I don't know, really, to be honest about my. So probably not that frequently because I feel like I did it pretty frequently. I, I guess. I don't know. What's your method of masturbation? And has there been an arc 
since you first started? I don't know if I want to talk about that. <laughs> really? I would just hump everything well, when I was a kid. Let's, let's, because this isn't going to kind of come up. So when we messaged you to do the podcast, now you, you are one of the co-hosts on the Lady Lovin' podcast yes. uh, <clears throat> with Greta and Lo. And um, when we messaged you to be on the podcast, you told us, me that you were orthodox jewish and i was like what say huh <laughs> so so yeah let's- i guess about that so i've recently in the past year um become more religious uh-huh. i was raised jewish and in a reformed household had about mitzvah all that but um i don't know i sort of feel like i kind of um lost myself over the years and i was really trying to figure out like how to get back to the place where I was, you know, um, who I really am and felt like every decision I was making was a decision I wanted to make Mm. and was really enjoying my life and um, just kind of like setting myself up to have a great future. And I was, you know, trying to figure out like how I needed something else. You know, I was going to therapy and I've kind of always dealt with like a little bit of depression stuff and, and nothing was really working. I tried meditating and you know, doing yoga and a lot of exercise. And I don't know, I kind of recently um, started becoming more religious and that's like very much helped me just find more um, like meaning in my life, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a common story with people when they either dive deeper into a religion or rediscover it or just discover it for the first time. Yeah. But with you, with I mean, when I hear those stories, it's always like, uh, reformed, what is it? Like, I found Jesus now. Yeah. So I'm going to use the capital H with he. And I don't know, it comes, I'm like, okay. See, I don't really feel like that for me per se, but I, I think more of the uh, the different practices. Like, for example, like on Friday to Saturday, don't use my phone for 24 hours. And I have Shabbat dinner and I just sit there with people and talk and drink wine and, and enjoy life and, and be in the moment. And nice. I don't feel like I have anything pulling me somewhere else. I don't feel like I'm like racing to go to the best party, that sort of thing. It's kind of like a minute for me to take time for myself and to think about what I'm doing. And therefore, like during the week, it really helps me, you know, set up, I guess, you know, a better schedule for my life because I know that I'm like unavailable those 24 hours. You have hours. to prioritize yeah. because you ha- you're out of commission. Exactly. And it's also I like you that. have to make plans with people to meet up with them during the day before that day. Yeah, that's you know? true. So it's like, I feel like those practices um, have really like helped me just get more focused in general. So it's not so much, I would be like, I would say that it's like I'm reading all this like, you know, religious stuff and like praying all the time. It's more just like, living more of a Jewish life has like mm-hmm. helped me, I don't know, be able to function better as a human and be more, you know, successful in my career and with my relationships and all of that. How does one lead more of a Jewish <laughs> life other than the Shabbat? Like other not, than deserving Shabbat? Yeah. Well, you know, I eat kosher now. And so that also is like, you know, take a minute when you're at a restaurant, like, what do I want to eat? Like, you know, that sort of rather than I'll have a bite of everything. You yeah. know what I mean? Does it affect your sex life at all? Um, I would say that around this same time that I became a religious, I decided that I wanted to take sex more seriously because Mm. like I said earlier, I don't really like enjoy sex unless I'm comfortable. And I feel like a lot of the past experiences I've had have not been, you know, where I've been comfortable. So I was like, I'm just going to wait until I find someone that I feel great with, you know? So that's kind of more of my vibe at the moment. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I really do. I, I think my whole life, I wish I was that girl that could, like, go out and have a one night stand or just like, you know, hook up with a bunch of people because like sex is great. Like it feels amazing. You want to have it all the time. Like it's part of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for me, it's just that I realized I'm not so comfortable, like, you know, doing it with everyone. And like, that's okay too. You know? Absolutely. I think sometimes people pressure themselves to, yeah. like, because they're not doing X, Y, Z and people around them are doing X, Y, Z, but it's exactly. like, you don't have to do that though. Well, it's either like you're labeled a slut or a prude, you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. it's hard to find that middle ground where you feel like you're doing stuff that you want to do. Right. And especially I feel like with a lot of women, like, you know, it's not like we're orgasming every time we hook up with someone, you know? So, <laughs> right. So it's like, I think that you forget that you're like, this is for me too. It's not just for the guy. And I think totally. I had a lot of that when I was with a lot, when I was with a lot of men, no, when I was, you know, <laughs> Are you a huge whore <laughs> when with I was previous partners. Yeah. With previous partners. Mm-hmm. So it's like really just taking a step back and looking at like what I want for myself in all aspects. Have so you ever had of, sex yeah. like go hilariously awkwardly awry where you had to either stop in the middle because there was an incident, there was a bodily fluid in a place where it shouldn't have been or oh my god I've had so many awkward sexual experiences that <laughs> do tell like, what's your I fave mean, yeah what's your fave awkward think. sex experience I mean one time I mean I'm really like I haven't even had sex with that many people to be honest but I would say that one time when I was younger there was a house party and like <laughs> different house party <laughs> different okay. house party and you I were mean, indoors I'd, I'd known the guy like it's not it wasn't a whatever but um we were dating and they, we had a dog and like the dog like brought the condom downstairs. <laughs> the used condom? Mm-hmm. And in, that was uncomfortable. In fr- to everybody in the party? Yeah. Like I Who feel like I've had a lot con- of experiences like that where yeah. it's just like, I don't know. Like Who, why does everyone have to be involved in my like sexual I know. experiences? You Who know? got the used condom out of the dog's mouth? I, I don't even know. I was just like, bye. <laughs> Gotta go. Oh, time to go. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. That happened to me once, but with a pad. Yeah. A, Dogs just like dogs, love to eat anything they're not supposed the to. The gnarliest shit. I know. You think that they're like, oh, that smells like not good. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever like, had sex with a dog in the room? Yeah. Does it make you feel, I don't know if I could do that. Well, or they're not like watching. <laughs> right. They're not like sitting I mean, by the bed, like breathing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like, I don't know, you know, they're just there. Sometimes yeah. though, it depends. I mean, the dog I used to live with was a perv. Like he 100% knew, like knew what was going when on. I was getting un- undressed, like would just stop and staring at, stare at me <laughs> to a point where I was like Pinkerton. You can't yeah. elevate a ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, how old are you? 30. 30. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I didn't know. I thought you were, I thought you were younger. I'm always just, I am just always surprised when people are in their thirties, even though I am also in my thirties. Um, and you are from California, right? Yes. I grew up in orange County. Okay. Perfect. Were you you like a rich kid? That's a nice neighborhood. I mean, I would say that I, my parents are well off, but I will say that I had had a job since I was 16. Yeah. They weren't just like, here's my credit card, whatever. I used to um, sell flowers at the flower shop. Oh, but they also illegally sold birds. And like one time (laughs) I knocked over the birdcage and all these like yellow canaries flew away. (laughs) And then they were just like, they just like looked at me like, no. And I was like, I know. (laughs) Gotta go. You guys, I know. I know. But they were illegally selling the canaries. I know. So they couldn't really, it was just like a bad scene. And then we had this thing (laughs) called the Sada festival which is an art festival in the town I grew up in and um 
I used to sell, there was like a stand that sold ceramic mushrooms that you could place in your garden. What, what a life you've what led. And so I used to sell these ceramic mushrooms, but I used to make so much money. Like people love ceramic mushrooms. I'm not even kidding you. I got like a commission of how much I sold and it was like the best job I've ever had. Were those pricey mushrooms? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was like, I definitely made more like the most money there per hour for any job I've ever had besides like now what I do. You I know? feel like if you're buying a ceramic mushroom to put in your garden, you're either brushing all of your problems under the rug or you really just don't have many. They also sold like hummingbird feeders, but like some of like the mushrooms came in like different sizes and then there would I also would be like flowers. <laughs> you gotta have multiple I know, options. right? Because you would have like the baby one and all of that and then there would be like... <laughs> I kind of want one, I gotta be honest. I, I can't even tell you. Mushroom. There'd be like flowers and I don't know, but people are always on vacation and they're like, of course I need to buy this fucking mushroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know when you're on vacation somewhere tropical or like warm and you're just like, I need to get so much shit. Well, never happened I'm to me before. <laughs> well, I've never been in a tropical place, but anytime I'm I'm anywhere, I love like souvenirs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Knickknacks. Yeah, any plastic cup you gave me from this fake castle restaurant, like I will wash it out and bring yeah. it home. Yeah, because we live in the city it. of tourist knickknacks, but then yeah. I'm like, this is bullshit. And then I go to another city. I'm like, I need this T-shirt that says I love Seattle. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like everyone would come to this art festival and just like buy a bunch of art and like weird other things. Like Orange County is a really it's uh, specific. Uh, what's the town? Uh, Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach. That's right? where I'm from. Yeah, that's a very artsy town. It reminds very me of New artsy. Hope, Pennsylvania, but in California. Yeah. Well, people think that it's like very like ritzy, and I feel like there's so much of that art culture and like so much of that like 60s free spirit vibe. Yeah. And then like as like the housing market went up, obviously all these wealthy people came in and bought homes and blah, blah, blah. So it's like a mix of that. It's like liberal. So you still get a lot of that sort of really cool art stuff that they have going on. Like they have this show called The Pageant of the Masters where people just... it's like the mannequin challenge, but like in paintings. So they'll like have this painting and then all of the people that are in the painting... They stay still. They stay still. So it's like they're acting but out in and the painting. Pa- hmm. Oh, oh, okay. But there's no like, acting. They're just but they like were not painted moving. on a canvas, so they can't move. I didn't describe this right, but it's basically <laughs> like it would be like the scenery, and then if there's like two humans in the painting, right? They, stay they still wouldn't the whole time. paint the humans, and it would be real humans, humans. and you can't tell. That they're real humans because they're so still. Yeah. So like that's a very big attraction. Was there any weird sex shit like sex stores in your town or strip clubs? No. Oh, my God. There was like three fast food restaurants. That was it. What? That was like the the danger. You know what I mean? No, it was like very much like you would go to the beach and just like get drunk. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, obviously we've all watched Laguna Beach and the hills. So we have, you know, these (laughs) concepts of what reality is in those places. And it seems like I mean, it seems like rich kids just lead a very different life than a lot of us are used to. That's filled with like drugs and sex and boob jumps like when you're 16. better drugs. Yeah. yeah. Give some insight to this. I mean, like for you me, like I was like forced to like read for two hours every Saturday. Like mm-hmm. I didn't get a car when I turned 16. Like I had Jewish parents. You know, oh, sucks. <laughs> I had like fake blonde hair and all that other <laughs> bullshit. But like I wasn't like, you know, living the high life as a teen. So mm-hmm. I kind of I didn't have that. But yeah, there's some people that, you know, but that's everywhere. There's some talent, you know, everyone yeah. in high school, you always have someone that's more well off that's able to like that doesn't have so much 
parental guidance and able to do whatever. But it's not everyone is like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, were there no, crazy house parties going on in your when you yeah, were Yeah, it was always like tennis oh. pros and like, you golf know, hose. golf hoes yeah. or like doctors and Boat nurses. Like and... my mom was like, where are you going? Like all the time. <laughs> I, I do. Like, yeah. Those parties in college. Yeah. They would happen a lot early in college, like the boat hose and no one know. I forget what I the know. And were. it was a theme party literally every weekend. Yeah. And I loved at the time I was like, hell yeah, I'm a golf hoe. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to wear a bra. So wait, your, your parents forced you to read for two hours, but then when you <laughs> left the house as a, uh, a a tennis hoe, everything was okay. Well, I got really good grades. Well, my tennis hoe read, <clears throat> so it's cool. Yeah, that's true. Like I got the, I got the reading done. I don't know. I got really good grades and right. I never like, I've never like um, had a drink and driven. Like, I, I don't know. I've always been like, really into safety so i don't think they were <laughs> so worried good. about me have you ever been slut shamed um by men or women only like with like girls whose boyfriends that i dated right after them like one time i got like pushed at a club because i was like dating this girl's boyfriend in college or but it was her ex-boyfriend yeah a lot of like were that. you friends with the girl no i mean obviously not she pushed you no wow she got that would I've never gotten into a physical art. One time I got into a physical altercation with a bouncer pushed me and I was like, yeah. oh, I every cell in my body like heated up. Did you freak out or were you like, I mean, usually like whatever. when I when people like come at me with a lot of force, I just like say something. I just speak and then they're like, I can't even deal with talking to you. And they just like why walk aren't away. you angry and yelling Like literally, at me. I'm just like, I don't understand why you just pushed me like you guys <laughs> broke up and I'll go into this whole thing. And the girl's just like, what? And like walks away. Why'd you push me? How? I don't yeah, get it. No, but even in high school, when people are like, mean to me. I would always just be like, I don't understand. Like we've never met. Like what is, what is your base for judging me off? And they would just like not even want to wow. deal with it. They're like, I thought this was going to be a lot easier yeah, to follow you. Exactly. I'm just like, I don't get it. What's what's the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you thus far? Most traumatic thing? Yeah. Yeah, you still got a lot of time, but so far. I mean, I think it's just breakups. I think I mm-hmm. take heartbreak like very, you know, it really affects me because I'm very sensitive. And you're a human. I mean, yeah. heartbreak is like, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's so really debilitating sometimes. I've been like fortunate enough to not have any like immediate deaths in my family or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So... So what is heartbreak at this moment? What was, the, what was your you. most recent heartbreak? Um, I was dating this guy and we couldn't uh, be together for religious reasons. A whole nother his story that I can't even get there with, but his. And that was very hard for me to comprehend. Is he Jewish? Yes. Oh, wait, is that why you're coming around now? Is this No, part it of has it? nothing to do Trying with to him. Get Nathan back. <laughs> nothing to do with him. But um, it just, it wasn't going to work out. And that was like very hard for me to... You know, I'm very much like a hopeless romantic. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, we love <laughs> each don't other. Why like, you're I don't me. I just like don't get it. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess like there's bigger things in life, be- or like in a relationship besides love, and I think that's like a very hard mm. thing. It's a hard to realize. To yeah, right. Like, but I like you. It but- is weird though. It's nice that you it, that you kind of just have this thing that like we both love each other because I feel like that's why I'm very conflicted with religion because it is great and it's, you know, it works for some people at, in different moments in their life. But then it, when it does something like keep you away from someone you love, yeah. like, what's the point? Were his parents uh, pressuring him or on his side with whatever his reasons his own. were? Oh, his own? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Were you not the right type of Jews? Jew? are no bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's just why not- I love Jews. <clears throat> I don't know. It's, Wait, sorry, real quick. What were you saying before that? I had a comment and I totally forgot it. Mm, before how far away <laughs> in the in the past are we talking? I was just saying that uh, I think religion is useful, except when it tears people apart. Oh yes, heartbreak. 
Yeah, I think, well, okay, going back to that, I was just going to say that I think the thing that's helped me with the religious stuff is just acceptance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's sort hey. of like you have to realize Jesus, that <laughs> I'm like, oh. things are a certain way and like that's, you know, what's going to happen and you can't like really live in la-la land. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, that sort of really helped me. But yeah, with him, it wasn't going to work out. And so like I had to go. I couldn't just hang around longer. Was he a New Yorker? Yeah. California. Oh, okay. And how long, uh, how long have you lived in New York? Um, four years. So how do you think dating is different between Orange County and New York City? I feel, oh like, gosh, it's, I feel like it's pretty different. Well, after, so I went to college in Boston and then oh. I lived in LA. So I didn't really, I haven't dated, I've dated in Orange County when I was in high school, but I haven't oh. really lived there. What about LA, New York? LA, I would say it's just, I don't know. It's like, you know, LA, there's like the entertainment industry assholes in New York. There's like the banking assholes. I know. It's like the oh, same. People always want to try to like make it seem different. I think dating everywhere is the same. Yeah, and I did get a different vibe in LA. I've never dated in LA, but I do get a different, it's just such a different vibe than here. It's just a different type of person, but like also a different type of man lives there, a different type of woman lives there. You know of what course, I mean? Yeah. So like when you're in New York, it's like a different type of thing, but there's still, I feel like there's the same issues everywhere. Yeah. And what made you move to New York from Los Angeles? Um, to be a professional DJ. Yeah, because I, re- I, <laughs> yeah. I read that you're about your DJing and obviously on your Instagram and stuff. So how did you get into that? So I always wanted to be in a band. Okay. Like my whole life. Do you play, do you play an instrument? No. Like I was <laughs> so bad at every instrument. Like I just the concept though take, sounded like, fun. Maybe I I'll mean, take up the triangle. Because I like to write. And so I was like, I'm going to be this like musician, like guitarist and sing. But it's like. Do you know how to read and write music? No. And I like <laughs> don't know how to play the guitar. Can I'm horrible sing? at it. Like my voice sucks. You can't sing? No. Oh, I so used to like really steam my throat every Every night, like trying to just make it better. And then this will work. I know. And then I got a job after college working in the music industry at CAA. Um, and so I was doing marketing and booking, but then I was like, I still like have this like desire to create, you know what I mean? So I bought turntables and a mixer. I think this was like six years ago. And then I just taught myself how to DJ with like YouTube tutorial. Nice. And I like then, that you actually have uh, turntables, not just yeah. your MacBook Pro though. That's very nice. Yeah. Cause you could just press a button and really kind of chill, but it's and, good. And then I, um, I don't know. So I started like playing friends parties, like bringing all the equipment there, like making my boyfriend at the time, like lug everything everywhere. (laughs) And then I moved to New York and took it like way more seriously. Like when I first got here, everyone's like, what kind of music do you like? I was like, electronic music. And they're like, what? There's like 70 different types of electronic music. Like what kind of DJ are you? You know? So I really had to like figure that out, but it was very fun for a while. And then I just sort of got sick of being out till 5 a.m. every night. Yeah. I was going to say, did you ever see anything weird while you were DJing? Yeah. I I used to DJ at the box like twice a week. Holy shit. Do tell us. Dude, that's crazy. That's a very exclusive place i want to go there so bad it was just like a sex show every night they like have actual sex on stage no they just like it's like a sex in quotations show i don't really know what those really mean but it's just there's like naked people pussies out i think so dicks out yeah and like you know boobs out and popcorn (gasps) obviously (laughs) i feel like there's popcorn in like every sex show right it's just like that's good to know or there'd be like someone like peeing on stage like it was very like stuff that would shock you you know what i mean and you dj'd that yeah so because (laughs) it would be like a club like i didn't dj during the show like the show is only like two performances i think a night and that's Uh, self-contained yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they don't need music to pee on exactly so just dj like 
before and after, but it was like from 1130 till four in the morning. What song do you play after everyone just watched some guy <laughs> pee on something? I would just play whatever I wanted. That was like the biggest problem, I think, with my club DJing is I would not cater to the crowd. Uh, <laughs> I would be I, like, you're supposed to be like, you know, one for you, one for them or something like that. I'd be like, no, I'm just playing music. I like. Did you get a lot it. of, it's my friend's birthday. Yeah. I use that and it was never my friend's birthday, but I would always go up to the DJ and then I realized, yeah, you're not supposed to really do that. It's like all always like drunk people or they'd be like, oh shit, it's a girl. Like literally. <laughs> oh, like that, you, that they couldn't believe a woman was yeah, DJing? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Well, because how, how does she know all it? the buttons? Like when I started DJing, there wasn't as many like female DJs as there are was now. Was you and Samantha Ronson? <laughs> well, I think there was like a few, obviously more than that. <laughs> I'm joking. No. JK. But um, I, uh, yeah, so they would always just be so surprised that there was like a woman there. Really? Yeah. How would they show that? Would they say like, a chick. They'd say, oh shit, it's a girl. <laughs> like I said. As if you were, it was like a gender yeah, and reveal I'd be like, party. Yeah, where? Like you just came out of the womb. Nice. Exactly. Or they'd be like, oh wow, like you're a girl? Like it was always a question, you know? And, and it's I was so like, interesting because even like something in the entertainment <laughs> business, which I think, you know, pe- people are pretty comfortable with having women in the entertainment business. Something like being a DJ is still like, oh, that's like seeing a woman get on board to fly your plane, which, yeah. you know, Christine and I points out a lot <laughs> i'm all for ladies doing whatever they fucking want exactly but sometimes you're like oh a little nerve-wracking i don't know <laughs> that's just sexist of me but it, but i think it's so funny it's just a funny joke um so uh so you're not djing anymore so uh, much well, i dj for like private events and brands so i do a lot of fashion stuff mm-hmm. and i just did like an event at the google store in soho for the oh, cool. fo- for the pixel phone so i do a lot of like tech stuff and like a lot of stuff for um fashion brands and i like that more because the events are over by 10 p.m which uh, is a plus because then i can go to sleep but um, you are very 30 yeah <laughs> i am but it just pays better and i don't have to deal with a bunch of drunk people and they're very much like this is the type of music we want to hear and they like they want you to be there you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I nice. felt a lot of the times at the clubs it's like you're still like proving yourself or like you're getting requests like every two minutes for a new song and you're like you know it's just like a lot yeah. to deal with and the, the pay sucks were you like I don't understand why you're asking me to play I already have my songs Can you well just- you just like don't make eye contact like that's the number one key to DJ <laughs> Corinne told me don't that's how also how you avoid crazy homeless people on the train yeah. from harassing you that's very eye true. contact is all kinds of problems now uh, you experienced some sexism with club goers how about people who hired you club owners managers i know it's very like it's a shitty industry yeah because it's like they're also surprised that you're a girl then you also need to like prove yourself more i don't know did you apply for these gigs or did they come to you or how did you get them it was a lot of like i had a friend that worked at the box so that's how i started doing that and then i did a good job so they wanted me more like that sort of vibe or like you know, when I first moved here, this guy, Sean Glass, shout out to Sean. Wait, <laughs> Sean. I know. I feel like I know. He's Is great. he a well-known person? DJ? Yeah, he okay. d- he DJs a lot. He's in the music biz, but he really introduced me to a lot of people. I was like very thankful for that and kind of like taught me the ropes and like, you know, when sometimes when like the right person is introducing you to people, they know they can't fuck with you, which mm-hmm. is good. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I always felt that way. Did, were there any specific examples that you can recall off the top of your head of like just blatant sexism or... Yeah, like one time I was DJing this event at in Tribeca, this private party for some architecture firm. I don't even know why I said yes. And literally the guy didn't like my music, played exactly what they wanted me to play. And one of the people that worked for him in the company came up to me and was like, yeah, he's just like really upset because you're a woman and DJing and he thinks a man would do a better job. So I hired you. 
took my computer and left right yeah. when I said that. I was like, you can play your iPod. Yeah. And then I got like a bunch of phone calls from like the venue apologizing and like, oh, you know nice. what I mean? I still got paid and all of that, but I like, Yeah, I mean, you could sue someone for saying something yeah. bad. If someone's like, yeah, you just leave. You know what I mean? Like, don't take it. I was like, bye. I yeah. love that you did that. That's great. Yeah. And then I took a bath. <laughs> of course you did. It, was it was probably had so lavender, lovely. lavender uh, mineral salt. And you got paid to take that back. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Suckers. So now you're with taking sex more seriously. Are you dating anyone right now? Not at the moment. So how are you kind of like taking integrating the seriousness into dating, which is um, a fuck fest? <laughs> I don't really know. Like I'm having a bit of well, it's the same thing. It's like I'm going on a few dates and then you tell people like, oh, like I don't use my phone for 24 hours. And if they're not religious, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, but like, I'm not religious and I get that. I'm like, that sounds kind of nice. I, guess, I think, I think but we I could think all take a lesson from that. I think it scares that. people. That you don't use your phone for 24 hours? I think hours? the dedication, you know what I mean? And I think that they... Because that's something that has... That's going to be in the relationship living exactly. with you too, of course. And it's stating that like, I take my life seriously. I take like my, you know, who I want to be, who I am, all of that, like is no joke. And I feel yeah. like people, when you're going on like, of course, like dating updates and that sort of thing, they, if they're just looking for something casual, they know they're not going to get it from me. And I guess it's a good way to avoid that type yeah. of thing because I do want a serious relationship. But um, I don't know. And it's how also you, they weed you out, though, in terms of like, oh, how do they is there a moment where you can see that they're like, oh, this girl's not just going to fuck me. Yeah, definitely. Do they say something? The last, or... I went on a date two weeks ago and the guy walked in and after like 10 minutes, he was like, oh, I expect you to be covered in tattoos and classy, but you're act or covered in tattoos and like not classy, but you're actually really refined. What the fuck does that mean? Why did he get that idea? Didn't he see your pictures? I guess it's because like I'm a DJ or something or he like looked me up online. Uh, I feel like people look me up online and like think something completely different than like who I am or whatever. But so what what is it like? Do you primarily date using dating apps or I no, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm trying to like I've been on three dating app dates, so not really. But I'm, Which this app? is like a new thing I'm trying to date an update because how else are you supposed to like get them, get it going? Well, so many people are doing, yeah, yeah going guess. outside. You That's know, true. But, like but smiling at people. You right? have so many friends. It seems like in, in like, a, or in like cool situations, I would yeah. think that you know people. I guess I just haven't met anyone really since, I mean, I broke up with that other guy like in the fall. So mm-hmm. how long have you had you been together with him? It was like on and off. <laughs> So I don't even know. No, you don't even know. I can't even. <laughs> but, but now you're on these apps and are you only looking at other Jews, other Orthodox Jews, anyone? Because it's very well, hard. They don't you're all looking for section Jews? it out. Oh, religiously? Right. Of course. Yeah. So are you on a religious dating app? So like I know that I probably shouldn't go out with a guy named Chris. Because mm-hmm. that's more of a Christian. However, exactly. my brother's name is Chris. And he's Jewish. So basically, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is there so you're on a Jewish dating app, but they that's interesting though that they don't explain they don't divide yeah. it or categorize it just because a lot of people in that are Jewish, I would imagine, if there's so many different sects of it that you wanna date within your do you want to date an Orthodox Jewish person? I would like to, like a modern light. You know, because I would call myself light. Yeah, I was gonna say I was like, like a frappuccino light. Yeah, you know, but like a there's like, light people on J Day. Yeah, I because I I'm you know someone super religious is not gonna be a match for me because I do, you know, still have sex. We saw the jacket you the walked way, in. Yeah, do, I still like <laughs> That's live like a a, temple. I would say a non super orthodox life. <laughs> so 
I don't know. I'm figuring it out though, yeah. right? It's a process. That's what life is. Uh, you learn as you yeah. go. Are you going to temple regularly? Yes, I do go to temple okay. every Saturday. What okay. happens in temple? A lot of praying. Yeah, it's the same as church, but yeah. only just on Saturday. And then I you really went to church. You, read, oh, okay, you yeah. read the um, the Torah portion for that week and then you analyze it. Oh. And you try to like learn a lesson from it, which oh. I like. Yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Judaism has like a lot of great things where even like, I don't believe in God, but I can, I still like a lot of parts of Judaism and I feel like connected to it. And I feel like it's part of my culture. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, I totally get what you mean when you say like living a Jewish lifestyle. Yeah. And I feel like it was something that I wanted to, I knew like my whole life I wanted to raise my kids Jewish. Mm-hmm. I have this microphone on my lap and I feel really weird about it. Oh, I have So I'm just, um, it's fun. Apologizing to Corinne and Christine for sitting this way, holding the microphone this way. No, but I wanted to, um, I knew I always wanted to raise my kids Jewish. And I was like, I guess I'll just like wait till I'm married to figure out what that looks like, what being more religious looks like. And then I'm just like, why do I have to wait? I can just do this now. You know what I mean? True. So I kind of it got to the point where I wanted to sort of discover like what that meant and like how much I want Judaism to be in my life. And then it just sort of like escalated to me like observing Shabbat and eating kosher and, you know. And putting your phone away every And Friday. meeting with this lovely rabbi every week who I love. Oh, you Is, meet with a rabbi every week? I do. One on one? Yeah. Is he hot? He's seven in his 70s, I think. <laughs> Is he hot? You didn't answer he, my question. I can't say that. You've been watching too much Sex in the City, the episode I where Charlotte's and the rabbi. That is exactly what I, I was thinking. I knew that was thinking. your exact thing. I have very few references for religion. But all, but also that guy wasn't hot either. And it was yeah. so, and it was weirded me out so hard. But when somebody that you're not supposed to want to fuck the is naughty, hot, the naughtiness. it is the hottest thing. God damn. <laughs> I don't feel that way about my rabbi. I think that he is like my spiritual guide. And, and that's the correct that's way. That's good. That's and probably more of, um, yeah. You know, you get more stuff done that way. Have you ever been like had a crush on like I hate when I have crushes on guys. I'm like, this is so inconvenient because now I'm not going to get work done. And yeah, someone you work with or also I feel like you if you like a guy, I would imagine in my in my head, this is what you do when you like a guy. But then you tell me you just go up and be like, I like you, you on a date. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely me doing that. <laughs> you don't approach guys? No, I do do that. Yeah. I but just it doesn't mean, work out like that? Sometimes. I guess I don't approach them that often. But usually if I do approach a guy and I say something like that, like the last guy was like, we had a conversation that afterwards I went up to him and I was like, were you flirting with me or just being friendly? And he was like, what? Excuse me, follow up question. <laughs> yeah, I was like, can we like, we need to dive deep into this and figure out like what just, <laughs> what this interaction was. <laughs> do you like sucking dicks? Do you like giving blowjobs? Yeah. I, is that an offensive <laughs> question? Sorry. I think that means as a question that she doesn't want to answer. Oh, okay. Maybe I, fr- I did phrase it a little aggressively. <laughs> but I'm, I'm interested in, because uh, I was reading a couple emails from our inbox about girls that are like, I just don't want, and we got an email that's like, do you have to suck his dick on Valentine's Day? I'm like, no. I think that's the thing. Like, do what you're comfortable with. But I also think have open conversations with the people you're dating. Like, if you're dating someone and they really would like that and you're in love and yeah. whatever, like, then you should probably do that because that you do nice things for each other, you know? <laughs> suck his dick because you like him. That's yeah. very sweet, Joey. I actually like... <laughs> But there's, it's interesting. I found because some of the emails I was reading, some girls just hate giving blowjobs. Mm-hmm. I never was one of them. I find that when people say that it's because of a prior horrible experience. Mm, well, I mean, true. also, it's just not like it's, you're, it, your mouth isn't really meant to fit a dick, to be honest. I know. Well, and maybe yet it's somehow, the wrong one. That's then. why we gag. Nah, I mean, I, no, I love my word. It's just it, 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 the pro- thing is like, I'm into it in the in the beginning, but then it just goes on too long. 
Yeah. I'm oh, like, like the, during that particular blowjob. I need to start takes... blowing like 19 year olds who are going to come real fast. <laughs> <laughs> or four, oh, there's nothing you're... worse when you're like, I don't want to keep going, but I don't want to give up because I already came this far. When you're in your 30s, I am like, I have things. It's like, it's not fair because you get you get busier, but then dicks take longer to come. <laughs> Do they really though? But yes. also, a hundred percent. I've had to, I've had conversations with anyone who's dating someone like who's just kind of gone over that. I'm dating someone in, the, in their twenties to go, moving on and dating people in their thirties. The, the, sex is just different with guys in their thirties. They're they're just dying slowly from the inside. Like you know what? Like, like we are. Yeah. I always date people a year younger than me, so I've never dated anyone in their thirties. Well, oh, so this is something to look forward to. Well, just, <laughs> I mean, you. just. The same way as like you used to be able to DJ until five in the morning yeah. and now you want to be take a bath and go to bed at 10. And I hear you for sure. And I feel <laughs> that. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, everything's everything is slowing down. Well, one thing, <laughs> though, I, I realizing I think girl like in relationships and some guys have emailed us about this, like they'll be in a relationship for one, two, three, four, five years and the blowjobs go away. But I guess it's because they didn't really want to give the blowjobs in the first place. They were just so excited to be in. Right. Be with that. That's the thing. You can't not be yourself from the beginning. Yeah. You got to, if you don't like them, you got to from the beginning, not do it. I know. Cause then there's nothing worse than like a year later going, here are my true colors. Although I've never been in a relationship longer than two and a half years. So I don't know what happens like after like in five years, like I have no idea. That's a pretty, oh, two and a half is, I know people who haven't been in relationships like more than like six months. True. But five years scares me. It's actually not that bad. I always used Are to- Are you in a relationship for five it'll years? It'll be six in March. Yeah, and I've done five years. My first boyfriend I dated for five years. I always, though, I had this thing of like, oh, I don't want to, I'm going to get tired of the person. Like, I always had that philosophy of- People like a long term relationship just didn't sound appealing whatsoever because I'm like, we're going to get sick of each other. But I was Steven. I'm like, yeah, I'm still still sucking his dick. Great. Still like him. <laughs> I still like him as a person. Love it. <laughs> yeah. I always thought I'm like that stuff goes away the more you're together. Yeah. But it doesn't have to. I don't think it does either. I feel like that's like the wrong Then you're with the wrong person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's just un- unhappy 45 year old men writing screenplays. That's what <laughs> yeah. that's why we all think where their girlfriend's 20. Yeah. And... That's not that's, that's not everything. Because I mean, I've spent so long basing my entire life off of what I see in movies and, and what I read in books. And like then you then you become become an artist and then you realize all most artists are pretty fucking miserable so maybe don't take everything they say as gospel for sure like don't a lot of movies did you see la la land not yet i heard it was I excellent wanna. okay well then i'm not gonna say anything well but... just what you, you could like is there a th- thematic thought that you can give us like a particular thing that bothered you i was you? depressed you were depressed by it oh bad ending they all die in each other's arms. No, but you should see it. Also, I don't want to ruin it out there for okay. any of those people. Well, I mean, if anyone likes dying it. to see it, it's but been I would say weeks. it was like a good example of what you were saying just mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Did you see the Notebook? Yeah. I <laughs> cry every. I mean, every who other... hasn't seen the Notebook? Stephen, my boyfriend. I don't he know. loves rom coms. I don't know that I've seen the Notebook. To be really, I don't know that I have. I've Do you haven't had a friend that like forced you to like watch the movie with? That's them? how I first. Yeah, saw me it. too. No, because you know what? Cry for days. I only I don't have a, a ton of uh, girlfriends. I mean, and Listen, I and I, I will watch to. that movie with you. I would like to. Okay. I was at, what was I doing? I was doing something the other day, and I was like, oh, I saw a picture on Instagram of like two of my friends like laying in a bed on pillows next to one another, like as friends. And I was like, I've never done that. I don't have like proper gal friends. Me either. I was never like when girlfriends like hug each other, like sit in each other's laps. I've never had that like I'm open to I've never feeling. had that either with like any I have a lot of girlfriends, but I've never been like I'm not like a super touchy person unless yeah. we're like in love. 
Right. So with, with but my, I always love like girlfriends so that are that. like close, that close. I guess I'm like that with my friend Daria, but that's it. Like I don't, cause I've, I get too awkward, but then if you're just like nonchalantly, like sitting on my lap, I'm like, okay. Yeah. If someone like wants to come to me. Yeah. But I'm never the one that goes to a girlfriend and is like, let's just, um, let me touch your boob. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. I asked, a, I asked the girl if I could touch her boobs in improv class. And she was like, no. <laughs> Amazing. In improv was class? Was it during a performance? Not during, but I just, I don't know. Because again, watching too many movies and I thought that was an appropriate thing that you could, that you could do. I feel like, I like we're both women. When you see someone with like fake boobs. They were real though. And yeah. you asked to touch them. I feel like they're much more like totally. Right. But I think that yeah, cause cause they it's someone, when it's someone's like real breast, yeah. they're less likely to let them be touched. Good right. point. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I asked. I didn't just go for it. Yeah. Well, and asking's I, always great. <laughs> or like those group of girlfriends that always like I had friends like this, but I never really participated in it. And I always felt like if there's something, am I cold hearted? But they would just like be naked or topless and just didn't care. Yeah. I feel like as I've gotten older, I can like change and I'm like, whatever. Right. Yeah. But when I, I was younger, I never was same. like, let me just like rip this off. But uh, also yeah. like all of my friends, like I said, I grew up at the beach. We're like very thin and I'm very curvy. So it's just like, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> so like, what you, is my body? <laughs> did you feel weird because of that? Yeah, 100%. I like hated my boobs my whole life until recently. Because they're big? Yeah. So, I hear you, girl. <laughs> so, but and you just felt like people were looking at you or that yeah, they were I just right? felt uncomfortable. I just felt very uncomfortable with, in my body. Were you, did your, fr- uh, your close friends not have big boobs? No. And did they make a big deal out of your boobs? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and like all of the guys, like, you know, when you first get them. Oh, yeah. As a youth <laughs> and, and men are like, oh, school. my God, like your dress. And you're like, yeah. Well, how did so how if you recently came like t- to have find an appreciation with your body, what was that process like? A you lot know, of masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like I said, I mean, I previously like I was kind of depressed for a while. And I think that I went through like a phase where I didn't even post like a photo of myself online. Like okay. I couldn't even do it because I was just like, who is like this person's gross. This yeah. Um, and not to be like, oh, I started like then just like posting more photos of myself and realizing that I was like a fine looking human. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I think, and even if you weren't, that's yeah. you who fucking cares. I know. I don't know. Process. I think it's like just it was just trying to like get back to finding myself, which I've been trying to do. Mm-hmm. For a do while, do you think you are an attractive person? Because I think you're super pretty. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> something I struggle with one hundred percent. I really a, do, yeah. and that's like something that I'm working on. I remember always looking at my face when I was a kid. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm average, whatever. Yeah. And I always like not in a negative way though. I'm like, okay, this is what I look like. I think I've always been that like, oh, I could do better. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's always been my vibe. So mm-hmm. I think I like put that towards my looks too. But every everyone can always do be- better in, in almost every capacity. And For sure. so that's just going to be a constant nightmare. And you can always in. do worse. And that's the thing we don't tell ourselves. Oh, <laughs> right. It yeah. could be worse. It always <laughs> could be worse. And that's like a fun <laughs> one. Yeah, right? No. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I guess like then I went through a phase when I was like trying to figure out like what I was like okay with of like showing my boobs too much. 
much. You know what I mean? Like yep. Girls Gone Wild? Because well, I was like, I'm comfortable. No. Like, Why are you DJing <laughs> topless, Julie? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, care no. that you're a woman and I'm just like, put them away. My thing is much more tame than that. I just mean like, show, like showing more cleavage. Like, totally. Because that's oh. the thing too. When you have boobs, you have to figure out like what you're comfortable in. And, and you know what I mean? I feel decision. like I'm saying comfort way too much in this episode. I'm very sorry. No, no. That. That, don't be sorry. No, I, I totally hear you on that because I would, uh, I would, I don't usually wear cleavagey stuff, but I know that when I did, it just the reactions were way different. Yeah. And I felt like I went through a phase where I was like, okay, now I kind of like myself. And so I'm going to like wear what I want to wear and like, fuck it. But then it's like, now I feel like I'm in a better place where I'm like, we're just going to tone that down a little bit. Like, it's okay to like yeah, love your boobs far. and like, you know what I mean? And like your body. Did you have like your titties out? Like just. No, it was cover? just like a lot of low cut stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's hard too because people just are always going to say something about boobs. You I know. know what I mean? And like girlfriends, like, boyfriend, like anyone. Yeah, people you love and respect. And it's not even a bad thing no, that they're just, saying. But well, we've just been trained. I mean, I can't. When I am talking to someone with a low cut shirt on, I honestly can't pay attention. Me either. And I don't okay. even, I don't want boobs in my mouth i don't want them you near want me boobs in your i mouth? do want to i want i like to touch them i'm just because for as someone who's flat chested it's just really i'm truly curious yeah because this is something i thought i was getting with this whole woman deal <laughs> never came i feel gypped yeah still I waiting by I'm, the window i'm sure not we're not we're not i guess Dear we're not God, saying that anymore the gypsies are going to email me um oh, oh god I, yeah that's right I, that's how i learned but that wasn't. Oh, a good... I don't care. I'm just still, I'm still saying yeah, it. It's like an old. It's like a my grandma said it kind of thing. Which you know you should always say things don't your grandma mean, said. Anyway, um, but yeah, that that's why it's like a fascination, a cultural fascination. I mean, yeah. products are sold off of every beer is pr- oh, pretty much every sold off of Carl Junior is all Boots. titties. Yeah. Mean, yeah, we should all. Every woman should get a little bit of money for Carl's Junior making so much know, off right? of titties. But then I also hate that too because it's like I hate even in high school and when you're younger, it's like women, it's like girls can't wear certain things because it distracts boys. Like I hate Which that is statement such a dumb so much because it's, it's like you should teach your son to control his because you know what I mean. Why do We're why do women to have that. to exactly? Exactly. So I hate that too, but I completely like get that. Like whenever I do wear something lower, I feel a little bit odd because I'm just like, I don't want all of like people to comment on it all the time. And you know? men and women too. It's but not then even it's like hard men. to like, you know, you wear something like beautiful and you feel great and maybe you are showing some cleavage and you feel like amazing. And then there's the comments and you're like, but I, I'm happy, you know, yeah. it's a very hard thing, I think, to figure out. I was out thinking about that. Yeah. Like when when I like someone had asked me if I wanted to do a, a pinup photo shoot and I was like, you know what? I've been coming to the conclusion lately that like these are going to sag soon. So let's uh, let's show them off. But then yeah. I'm like, am I sexualizing myself because I want to or am I sexualizing myself before somebody else does or am I sexualizing myself because I think I have to? I don't fucking know. I think it goes back to what I was saying. It's like you have to figure out like it's like with everything in life, like what you're okay with, you yeah. know what I mean? Are you okay with that? Then yes. If you're not, then don't do it. Yeah. And that's something like overall overarching that I struggled with my whole life. And that like, now I feel like I have a good hold on. It just gets more confusing because you're like, okay, I am okay with it. But then I go one step further and go, well, why is it? Cause society or is it in my heart? Like it's, I always, yeah. I put well, too I mean, many layers. I think there's think nothing wrong it. to, you know, having like a sexy photo that you feel good. You yeah, know what I mean? Like absolutely. there's nothing wrong. I feel like that's empowering in itself, you know? Yeah. Cause sometimes like, like the Instagram, the hot Instagram girls that are just super famous on Instagram for being hot. I'm like, do you, I mean, you want to hot. That's your thing is being hot on Instagram. Anyway, I don't know who you are. 
but your thing is being hot. Are you happy with that? Is that like, I'm always, I always wonder if people that are kind of their main thing is just being hot. Are you, do you ever think I'm capable of more or does that even matter to you? Or is that just what you want? And then I don't know. I was, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I feel like some of the you know, the Instagram models per se, like are building a business and they're making money and that's what they want to do. Yeah. You know, and they're using their hot, like, well, they could say, you know, society and marketing is all fucked up. It's all sexualizing. I might as well, if I feel good about it, make a fucking career out of it. Yeah. I feel like Instagram, I was thinking about this like the other night is, is kind of like the new stripping. It's like a, it's like an internet because it's like, there is something about it and it's fun to post like semi-nude photos on Instagram because it feels kind of naughty. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to capture that. It make it like, it it feels sexy. Like I, I like doing it. uh, And I like looking at other women, like Instagram models are one of my favorite things to look at because I don't know those people. And it feels, I'd rather look at like someone I don't know half naked than a celebrity. Like celebrities just don't do it. Cause I feel like that's so packaged. Whereas Instagram, it feels like it's more genuine kind of this little look into someone's bedroom or like, yeah, it, it has that very, Instagram has that suicide girls feel, which is like my favorite kind of, porn to look at i mean like photo porn i guess i feel like it's it's good probably for those types of people that like want that type of career because they're really in control yeah as opposed to like signing off to a magazine where they don't know if they're going to be in a compromised position Mm -hmm. or like someone's going to make them do something they don't want to do but like having this outlet to like post their sexy photos that they want to do it's kind of like i feel like webcam girls in like the porn industry it's like they're completely in control you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they're like I can, this is what I'm doing and like I'll set it up myself and like, that's great. Yeah, because I think women are sometimes just because of the society, the double standards, the hypocrisy around being a woman and nothing's ever good enough or you're too sad or you're too happy or whatever. Women are constantly looking for a a field where they can, they can take control over themselves and, and do whatever it is, whether it be hot girl on Instagram or, or, or DJ, you know what I mean? It's like, I want to be in charge of this because whenever I'm not, it just doesn't, it gets too convoluted and bullshitty. Yeah. And I think being hot is a fine thing to be as long as that's not the only thing you're bringing to the table. Yeah. I don't, if it is, is it bad? I don't know. I was thinking, I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. I think it, I mean, there's a lot more to be. Cause I I feel bad that I think I agree. I think that you're better than you're, you're beyond this. But then I'm like, who the fuck am I? That can even be your main thing. I just think that like, you can't, it's, it's almost dangerous to go out in the world with being hot, being the only thing that you have. I know. Well, it's always, I I feel like it's dangerous to lead with your looks. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that because I think it's cool. And I, and I, and I don't, you know, and I, and I want the models that I look at to be pretty. I don't think that there, I don't think there should be not pretty models. I'm just going to say it like, because then yeah. everyone could be a model. Well, that's a model. Yeah. That's I don't, why they're models. That's, well, that's a certain occupation and that's, that's what you're doing. And that's cool. Models don't even look normal in real life. Like what a quote unquote normal person looks like. Yeah. It's fine. But there's also like, you know, the other thing that's good about Instagram is is breaking those boundaries of like, what is a model? Yeah. Like what, what is is the definition of like, because you have people that are just like, you know, I sold an ad on Instagram for like a beer company. So like I was a model, you know what I mean? Yeah. Were, Were you in the ad? It was me holding a beer. Promotional model, for Were sure. Were your titties out? Or? No. I was yeah, just nice. like, so I was in a, a turtleneck with a tiny slit. <laughs> really? So there was like a little there slit. There was a little slit, a little, little slit. neck. 
But like, yeah. Like, Jilly, can you compromise? Give us a little bit of <laughs> No, but I mean, like, you know, anyone can anyone can be a model. For sure. But th- th- there's there's just something about it like that. It's like with the anyone can be a model thing. I get where you it's coming from. You have to be hot. Ashley Graham is so hot. But it, what type of model? Like, are you talking about a runway model? Yeah, like not everyone can be a runway model. Right. Not everyone can be like a um, lingerie model. Not right. everyone could be a model for a beer company yeah. like me. But the problem with it is, <laughs> the problem with Sorry, it, you can't be a beer like a Dove model. campaign okay. where we're like doing like people who look like, you know, different kinds of weights and stuff is, is to me, it's still telling women that that being perceived as attractive is so important and it's not so it's like yeah okay models are pretty people and and that's why i feel like that way like i'm like okay models are pretty people and that's fine there are other things to be yeah but do you also think that like for me even going back to like when i first decided that i wanted to like write or be on television or something like that I had like so many thoughts in my mind, like, yeah, right. You don't look like any of the women that are on TV. Sure. And TV is different because TV is supposed to be um, like a rep, you know, you're, you're watching shows like everyone on it up until recently is like the hottest thing alive. I know. But I mean, there's, you know, there's shows, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to make a show about fat people now. And then put that on there. I'm just saying like, I feel like there, until there's like that sort of breaking boundaries, like until like I saw, like I'm not, knocking Lena Dunham at all but until I yeah. saw her oh, on I TV love, yeah when she was naked all the time I never like, even thought oh wow that could ha-, like literally never thought that someone that wasn't like 90 pounds could be on television yeah yeah and the lead I mean exactly I, like yeah there's like for we sure see the quirky best friend oh that's that that's the role for the heavy person but for the 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 person who's on the show the most then this is only for women because lots of ugly men have tv shows Ugh, yeah. um but for the woman who is the lead character to also be one of the you know societally uh, least good looking people on the show i yeah. think is interesting and have and her cool. her nudity wasn't always sexualized she was just changing her clothes yeah like, she i was just like that. this is like a real human yeah and i think when i saw that i was like oh shit like maybe there's like a chance yeah, that, I could, yeah. that I could do what I want to do and that it would be accepted. So like going back to like seeing like the Dove campaign or that, like I think it's really important for, you know, to show all different shapes and sizes, no matter what it is. I, I think, really do. Yeah, I, I like absolutely Like even agree. in modeling, because it's like, why do we all have to just look at, if you're looking at the same thing every day, you think that's what it is. You absolutely. know, like me growing up in Orange County, looking at like, tiny skinny people all day because like no one was curvy that's like literally i was like the world is like this and like i'm different you know what mm-hmm. i mean and i'm un- like we i'm like not attractive with right. the dove campaign though the one of the things that that the main thing that kind of got to me i i liked the dove campaign but i wish they would have just you didn't have to say we're beautiful no matter what size or how much make just show the women just give show us the women and that's it you know, you, yeah. we don't have to say we don't have to bait you. I, maybe they did this for marketing reasons or whatever the fuck. But babying everybody be like, see, she can be pretty and on TV, too, to me, sounds condescending. And it, as if that woman is less than bec- and she's so brave for taking her natural fucking body and putting it on television. I wish we could just see all of those women of various shapes, sizes, colors. Uh, makeup, no makeup, whatever, and just see them advertising the product because I feel like that would have made the message a little stronger. Well, I think my I think my thing is I just wish that we didn't we saw women women as more than bodies. Like it doesn't True. fucking matter. Just yeah. you need soap because you're dirty. Yeah. True. Use so, it. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like how do you how do you market like makeup 
you're not like, oh, use this blush because it's, you know, you'll look smarter. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, the whole makeup industry, I mean, it's still to a certain point will always have to revolve around unless it's something like uh, this is good for your skin. This is like food for your skin. This yeah. is going to make you he- make your skin healthier. Unless you're going from an angle like that, it has to be in some way, no matter how they mask it, no matter how many trans people they put on the fucking Maybelline ad, it has to be like, you don't look good enough. Put this on. Because even when they put a trans person on, on, it's still the fucking most beautiful trans person I've ever seen in my life. So it's like, it's still beauty is still the the selling point. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah, we, we put Queen Latifah on, but she still looks like the best Queen Latifah's ever looked. It's, it's yeah. all, it's all nonsense. But I do think that like, do you want to feel beautiful? Yeah. But feeling beautiful is not going to come from me putting on Maybelline. Yeah. True. But like when you're going out, let's say on a date, it with right. someone and you want to just like feel your best do you not wear any makeup I mean I wear makeup a lot I, a lot but I because always, you like it I always feel I always feel like beautiful pretty with, much yeah there, with or without makeup like I mean I am huge like when I'm like wake up in the morning I'm like oh this looks uh pretty good yeah, honestly yeah, what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah for I, sure I used to think makeup though the more makeup a girl wore the more insecure she was like when I was younger yeah. and that's just just not true I think because... some people just like makeup like yeah some people just, oh, yeah. it's the same thing like you makeup. go to the gym about makeup you go to the gym because like maybe you're not going to lose 10 pounds just for going to the gym once but you feel great when you, you do that good. like yeah I add lip gloss on or something like you know if I totally. if I'm going on a date be- or like put on my makeup because like I feel good, but it's not, I know that's not like the defining thing for me. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah I, but I, I still like, like it for like a boost of confidence. Like I do. Me too. If I've like put on a great contour to my left cheek, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'll notice that and be like, oh, cool. Makeup's fun. I love experimenting with makeup. I remember when I first started dating Steven, he's like, man, if I, if guys had the, it was societal, socially acceptable for guys to like better themselves better their looks with yeah. makeup or heels i would totally do i'm like no you fucking wouldn't <laughs> As I smoke he could wear a little eyeliner i could see oh Steven i would with that would be eyeliner. so hot the one thing i hate though is like when you go out with a guy and they like think that you don't have makeup on and then that you like wash your face or something and they're like oh but like i thought like you didn't wear makeup like they think it's like a cool they're like oh yeah like my girlfriend doesn't wear any makeup She's i don't just, like naturally makeup, beautiful. you know what i mean you're just like oh Shut my up. god i've gone out with a few guys like that and it's so weird oh wait Dan Perlman has a fucking amazing joke about that. Uh, and it's it's kind of like a revolves around like, oh, yeah, I just want my uh, my girl to be like beautiful naturally. Like, I don't yeah. want someone like wearing makeup. And he's like, oh, so you just want one of God's home runs. Like it's like it's like <laughs> exactly that's even expecting more from a human being. I love that joke. I think it's so funny for joke. sure. But yeah, like I feel like there's that pressure. Have you ever had too. A, re- a guy react to you after you washed your face? And he's like, who? Where's Jilly? No, because oh. I don't wear that much. I don't, right. If I could if I knew how to do it, I'd probably wear more makeup, but also like, I'm so lazy. (laughs) Like my beauty routine is like five minutes. I'm like, I cannot. I'm just like too, like sometimes I'll do like a lip liner. And then like, by the time, like I have one drink, it's like gone. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know. Or like, uh, I do liquid eyeliner. Yeah. But man, you fuck that up. That's another hour. Cause you got to wash it off, but then it smudges and you're like, now I have to re fucking do the whole goddamn thing. When I lived in LA, my roommate knew how to do liquid eyeliner. And I was like, I should add this to like, it should be like a requirement for anyone I live with. (laughs) Like must know how to put on liquid liner. So uh, a roommate who can do makeup is the fucking best. Also for your lips though, you just, you have to, you have to put a sealant on it and then it won't do that. 
I don't even. Oh know wait, what that what's that? Like what's a, a me- they, well, I mean, they have a they have a liquid sealant, like you can get at Sephora <laughs> before or after. After, okay. Um, I mean, you should exfoliate if you want to really have a long stay. You exfoliate the lips. Oh, um, I don't have a sealant on today, that's why it's like coming off. But uh, you exfoliate the I lips. Where my sealant today, guys? It's annoying because then anytime you eat, it's like on your food, and also I hate the taste of lipstick. Uh, yeah, really it really likes a lot. it. Yeah, and then my you, grandma. You can spray. <laughs> she eats lipstick, or you can spray like just a makeup setting thing on you. You can also use a toner as a makeup setter. Yeah, see, I have so much to There's learn. There's so many and like, tricks and tips and I'm shit. actually starting to do little Instagram videos of like how to do a blowout and how to put on makeup, but they're funny. <gasps> I saw oh, your I blowout that. one yeah. and I loved it. And also you were using the fucking $400 Dyson ha- a hair dryer that I- Dyson makes a hair dryer? I wanted so badly, but I just was like, Corinne, you don't need a $400 hair dryer, but I think that I but do. is it life-changing, Jillian? I so think I, I do. don't own that. Uh, that was um, ugh, the woman that does amazing. my hair and makeup for DJ gigs- and I decided to, she's very talented. I love her. Her name is Nina. And hey, Nina. we decided hey, to do these like fun beauty videos because like, I like, you know, doing my hair and makeup and that sort yeah. of thing, but I'm not that great at it. And like, I can't sit there and watch, you know, our tutorials I've on tried. YouTube. It doesn't work. It doesn't so I thought I would make. Yeah, I thought I would make like funny videos about like doing hair and makeup. So we're doing that. I enjoyed it. I Thank enjoyed you. it. When, well, um, stay tuned for more. When that whole thing with uh, Kylie Jenner with like, she was like born with very thin lips and then all of a sudden it was just like, and then I guess there was a rumor or something about she like put her lips inside oh, yeah. a glass and like sucked in. I totally did that. You did that? Did it work? <gasps> did you get a bruise? Okay. I don't even think it was did ever true. Did you see? Yes. Oh. Because there's people that posted it and they were bleeding. Yeah, but I'm like, Mine they didn't like, even inflate a little bit. Do you think one you were time using I the up, wrong thing? I don't know. But one time I woke up with an allergic reaction yeah. on my lips and I was like, this looks great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rub, rub peanuts well, they it. also used to have that like thing that would burn when you put it on your lips and it would oh, make your lips venom. swell. Venom. Yes. I lip had venom. that. Yes. That was very big. It was when the 90s. cinnamon was in it and it was just like, yeah, I was basically just like spicing your lips so that they plumped. <laughs> oh my God. I used to wear that in like high school and then I'd be like, I'm going to make out the guy and then he's going to like have <laughs> I used lips. to wear dark brown <laughs> lip liner with light tan lipstick. That was the thing though. Can I see a fuck? photo? Someone, I don't even, I when we hope were in they don't school, exist. On the, on the East Coast, that was the look. I used to, I remember I yelled, I was like, mom, how the fuck did you let me out of the house like that? And she's like, you just did what you wanted to do. I didn't, I figured you learned. You guys, Everyone can you wait that. for that trend to come back? <laughs> I hope it doesn't because God damn, I thought I looked, and blue eyeshadow. What the fuck, Christina? Like, what kind of blue? Give me, like, an like ocean a, blue? Like a, like a uh, uh, royal blue. Okay. With the lips? With the brown and Can light brown lips. you give me, lips. Um, like, a vision of the outfit? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I probably still wore, like, T-shirts and, and jeans. Love it. But, like, I just, I was like, I need, I'm wearing makeup now with butterfly clips. So many. When Ooh, you have curly hair and you don't clips. yet know what to do with it, mm-hmm. I tried ironing it. I was like, this is not working. Yeah. Um, the, I just, a lot of clips. To distract huh. from the hair. Huh. And nothing distracts more than a butterfly. Yeah, clip. shiny, sparkly <laughs> butterfly in the middle of your head. I would really wish you had a photo. Wow. I probably do. We'll find I'll let one. you know. Okay. Yeah. Next so time I email go me home. one. Yeah. We'll look at the, in the Hutchinson archives. Oh, Great. Yeah. All well, right. Well, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying the same thing as you, which was. Oh, yeah. It is, it is wrap up time. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? Tell us about a philosophy, a tip. About anything. Um, I don't know. I feel like my my secret to life is just you do you. Right? I kind Agreed. of actually feel like I came up with that four years ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> then I told a bunch of friends. 
And then they told a bunch of friends. Yeah, that's then, that's the story that I go with, even though probably someone else came up with it. I was going to say, but, who was the first like celebrity to say, you do you? Like RuPaul? Or? I don't know. I mean, the first it guy to be. say YOLO was Zac Efron, which we all know. Before Drake? <laughs> yeah. Shit. He like, that was like his thing. I got to stop giving credit to Drake about that. I think. He's, Zac Efron, I <laughs> could hate be how I could I be Drake, I don't know. But I really feel like you do you. It's always been my thing. Have you ever had a, like a panic attack or gotten anxious over something? Yeah, I get anxious oh. over men. Oh, okay. Men make me really anxious if yeah. I don't know what's going on because I'm very much like, you know, if I'm like emotionally involved with someone, I got to have like a lot of talks, obviously, if you guys haven't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, though. I got to know what's going on. Well, I mean, it's you're you're half of that relationship, so you should know what's yeah, going that's on. That's true. You want to know true. where it's going. Yeah. Um, and where can we find you? I know, but tell the listeners. I'm just Jilly Hendrix everywhere. And on Instagram. Instagram. What's the one that, uh, Spotify. Your notes that you take screenshots of your oh, notes? Yeah. My selfie. Oh my God. That's so fucking funny. Thank you. Notes I write to my I write these notes, notes to my selfie. And, and they're, they're so funny. You guys funny. should follow that too. Yeah. And um, you and Greta and Lo have the Lady Love and Podcast. Yes. We have a Lady Love and Podcast. You should all listen to it. It's fun. Yeah. We were saying before I enjoy we started it. recording, a lot of times there will be five women on the mics and just, yeah. it works out well. Yeah. We're a good balance. Yeah. It's like, you know, Greta's very wild and then Lo's a little more tame and I think I fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So it works. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today, Thank Jilly. you, guys. Uh, this is so fun. Thanks. Uh, this has been Guys We Fuck the anti such and podcast. We'll talk to you next Friday. using thousands of real women's measurements and range from sizes AA to G, including signature half cup sizes. Third Love stands behind their products so much that they're willing to let our listeners try a bra for their for their 24-7 collection free. Just pay $2.99 for shipping. Go to www.thirdlove.com GWF and get started today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.